that examination is really, really important to standardize for your pet whilst it's healthy and then through their life, be able to continue that relationship of understanding is that normal for your companion. Welcome to Life Well Loved, the pet well-being podcast brought to you by Bella and Duke. My name's James Marriott and I'm your host as we adventure into the world of pet ownership with you and your cats and dogs. We'll be sniffing out expert knowledge from people like behaviourists, nutritionists and veterinary professionals as we explore how to do right by our pets. Today we're talking about routine health checks to consider for your pet and I'm joined by our first doctor on the podcast, Dr. Brendan Clark, Chief Veterinary Consultant here at Bella and Duke. Dr. Clark or just Brendan? Uh, just Brendan will do fine for me. Doctor is only when I'm in the surgery. <laughs> Fair enough. That's <laughs> fine. So um, over 25 years in practice, most importantly for me, a fellow Yorkshireman. Ah, there we go. Yes, born and bred. Excellent. Good stuff. This is good. Uh, Brendan, tell us a bit, a little bit then about your, your background, if you would do. Yeah, so um, I started in practice, uh, as you say, over 25 years ago. In fact, actually pretty much 25 years in this practice now that I became a partner of back in the late 90s. And I uh, have really worked in conventional medicine, but also prior to that and then when I joined the practice, became very interested in nutrition and also in complementary medicine. So I have a bit of a, a holistic view of um, treating animals and their diseases. And yeah, grasped the opportunity to help Bella and Duke with the nutritional side of their business and, and how that sort of overlaps with health. Uh, and so, yeah, really uh, enjoying the fact uh, of being able to help many more pets than I would just face to face. I, I guess when people think about, you know, vets, veterinary practices, th they probably think more about stuff like, you know, illnesses, injuries, vaccinations, something's gone wrong and I need you to help me make my pet better. You wouldn't necessarily therefore place that alongside things like pet food and, and and obviously you know essentially the, the the core things that Bella and Duke do so why why did you get involved in 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 that side of things well it's really interesting because very much western medicine is exactly as you said you know when something goes wrong you then seek medical advice whereas actually traditional chinese medicine is actually you pay your doctor to stay well and only when things go wrong do you stop paying your doctor, okay? <laughs> and so when you get into holistic medicine, you come across these whole sort of ways of thinking that actually entices you into, well, actually, no, it's far better that we keep our pets well than we, you know, than we start to try and fight the, the fires when things start to go wrong. And some people would say, oh, that's what vaccination's about. And, you know, that's what uh, routine worm and flea treatment are about. But they have their own inherent problems, you know, when we start to introduce medicines like that to uh, an otherwise healthy individual. And so you start to come into how we can improve nutrition, how we can, you know, give them supplements sometimes rather than, you know, preemptively rather than treating 
you know, and, and disease. Um, if we know that a certain breed is predisposed to a problem, how we can um, do more frequent routine health checks to pick up issues right at the very beginning of a problem. So for hearts, you know, listening to that heart on a regular basis for Cavalier King Charles is really, really important. You know, uh, listening to heart rates for cats. Um, you know, I've got a lovely picture of a cat behind me um, where I'm recording from at the moment. And and literally, yeah, they're a passion of mine. But listening to them regularly to pick up if their thyroid start, starts to go awry. You know, we want to pick up that as early as possible to have the maximum amount of success and impact to minimize the effect on the welfare of the pet. So, you know, that is what got me really interested. And, and obviously having that interest in nutrition, you know, being in a practice, I mean, predates me for feeding raw um, and advising on feeding raw. You know, the practice has been advising for about 30 years on feeding raw foods to pets and had great success. And, you know, when I joined the practice, it was, you know, really interesting to get into that nutrition side. And, you know, it was great being able to, as president of the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society, getting to grips and, and being able to spread that message wider within the veterinary community. And it was post that that, you know, this opportunity came up to partner with Banner and Duke and to be able to influence um, the pack and all of the, uh, the, the pets involved in feeding Banner and Duke with further health and, and now taking it a step further and advising them on about seeking veterinary health. Brilliant. I, I can confirm, by the way, it is a lovely picture of a cat that you have there. Um, just, um, I know you gave us a couple of examples there in terms of, obviously, we're talking specifically about routine health checks today. Um, you did give us a couple of examples. I just kind of want to go back a step, if that's all right, and 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 just, you know, quite quite basic question, I guess. But when when we say routine health check, what, what does that mean? Okay, so when you go for an annual health check, and some people would go for a vaccination, some people would go for an antibody check uh, for their pet, pretty much the vet is going to welcome you in through the door. They're going to already be examining your pet as soon as that pet is before them. You know, so visually, you know, are they alert? Are they, you know, walking around the room um, if it's a dog? Are they allowed out of the pet carrier and, and allowed to walk around the room? You know, do they have a glossy coat? Do they have, you know, moist eyes, you know, and a, and a, a nice wet nose? You know, all of those sort of things. Are they wagging their tail? Are they ears back and, and, you know, really nervous about the environment? All of those are things immediately that we're taking on with that routine health check let alone putting our hands on, making sure their body condition score. Uh, we've got a section on the website that talks to you about how to body condition score your, your pet to make sure they're not overweight or underweight. And look at those side of things to then feeling internally what's going on with the organs. Is there anything that's swollen? Are there any lumps or bumps that shouldn't be there? You know, all of that side of things listening to the chest, making sure the heart rhythm is a nice lub-dub, nice standard rhythm that's going. With dogs and cats, that can vary with their breath rate, so it can speed up and slow down as they breathe in and breathe out. Those those are normal in cats. It's not so normal in humans. Um, but it can panic some people, but having a veterinary professional listen to that, make sure that your pet is within normal limits. 
is the first step. That examination bit is the first step. There are other bits that we should talk about with tests and things like that that can be run. Uh, but firstly, that examination is really, really important to standardize for your pet whilst it's healthy and then through their life, be able to continue that relationship of understanding is that normal for your companion. And of course, as you say all that stuff immediately, it, it makes complete sense as to why you would do that and, and why you should do that. I'd imagine there's a lot of pet owners that that probably don't and, and, and maybe the reasons for that is something that we can come on to. So you, you mentioned there about various other tests and other things that kind of kind of make up those 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 checks. So I think, you know, I, I kind of thought when we talk about routine health checks and and I kind of think about if I went to my doctors for a routine health check, I'd expect to have sensors put on me and be be made to run on a treadmill for half an hour to see whether or not I survived it. What what kind of um, tests are we are we talking about when it comes to our pets? So realistically, those those tests are the further tests that loads of people assume they're going to get, and they get really disappointed when the doctor sits them down for five minutes and then says goodbye. Uh, and and literally, people don't understand those routine things that we're doing with our sensors okay you know our, our eyes our ears our noses our, that you know uh, all of that side of things the next steps are if we detect that there's something not quite right then we may look at taking blood pressure okay which is in not an invasive it's just a cuff on one of the limbs or around the tail we may do uh, some further eye checks you know putting a light into the back of the eye to look at the retina we may do some bloods is a slightly more invasive test if we need to uh, check what's happening with their cell counts are, are they showing signs of an infection or something like that but realistically we should be saying routine health checks should be fairly non-invasive so looking at urine maybe and that can pick up all sorts of things like diabetes whether that's sugar diabetes of excess sugar coming through in their urine or water diabetes that the urine is just so dilute that could be an explanation of why your dog's becoming continent or may become incontinent if nothing's done so you know all the way through to have they got cystitis signs you know have they been straining repeatedly to go to the toilet and their urine shows that they've got an infection uh, going on an inflammation in the bladder um then we've got things like stool samples we can be doing worm egg counts you know something bella and duke do as well but you can get that done online you can get it done with your veterinary practice you know where we look in their feces to see are there microscopic eggs that you will not be able to see with the naked eye um and if they've got counts is it a point where they need to be treated and that could be with herbs it doesn't need to be with you know specific medicines um there's lots of other alternatives these days or actually is there zero eggs and we don't need to treat at all therefore we don't even need to you know put your pets through having treatments in the food or things that aren't so palatable so 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 many things that just scratches the surface of where we could go with these there are many many vets now that will offer a routine blood screen at that wellness check so that will not only look at whether your dog or cat has sufficient antibodies for the vaccines we may be proposing they need to be covered against so distemper hepatitis parvovirus for dogs flu leukemia and enteritis for cats we can look at those antibodies if they've got sufficient 
we don't need to put in a vaccine. You, they've got sufficient antibodies. But on top of that, looking, are they producing enough red cells to stay healthy, to pass the oxygen around their system? Are they producing a normal amount of white cells to give them infection control within their system? Are their kidneys functioning well? Are their liver functioning well? You know, these organs that can be looked at with specific enzymes. So those are in the wellness profiles that they will be offering. Some absolutely brilliant information in, in that. My next question was going to be, what, why are these health checks important? And, and I feel like I, I really don't need to ask that now. It's fairly obvious from, from the stuff you've been saying there and, and what those checks are designed to, to spot in terms of, as we touched on earlier, prevention is always going to be better than, than cure. So having a good picture of your pet's health is you know is, is is just golden in these in these situations so um i i touched on this earlier on then why why does every pet owner not do this why there's some that that, that choose not to so i would say some of them will be look it's a cost i'm going to spend 60 70 pounds you know for a consultation is that something I really need to do? And especially currently in the cost of living crisis that we've had, you know, people are finding ways to try and keep costs down wherever they can. But I always would say, you know, that could be a false economy because if you don't pick up those things early, that will cost you far more in the long run, okay, than that that initial consultation. Yes, the costs of tests that you can do can go into hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You know, you could go to the extremes. We're not proposing that. Often these wellness profiles that we've just talked about, they the vets will actively be keeping those to a sensible cost to try and help them help you. So you may find those are below a hundred pounds to get those tests done. And that's why they are then worth it. Because the effectively they've they've given you those costs at the lowest possible rate so that you can be encouraged to do them and we can spot things early. Um, a, a little peek behind the curtain here for our uh, listeners because we are, as we record this podcast, it's actually a few days before Christmas. Now, obviously, it won't be as people listen to it. I mention this just because, you know, Christmas traditionally a time where a lot of people will be getting a new pet or considering getting a, a pet but obviously that's not something that's exclusive to christmas and i mentioned that just because i'd be interested in you know any advice you've got for people who were considering getting a pet yeah so with with the situation for getting new pets always look at your breed that you want to to look at purchasing um or rescuing you know those are um really important things have a little look at the, the mother and father, if possible, usually at least the mother uh, of the pets that you're getting to, whether that's a cat or dog, because you'll get an idea of temperament. You know, uh, those are really important things that you could be doing as the owner to ensure that the, the pet you're receiving is going to be likely the pet that you want. Okay. Once you've done that, I think you know, being able to assess how active those puppies or kittens are, yeah, that's something that anybody can do. And if you've got a really active puppy or kitten and you're 
got the breed and you've looked into the possible predisposing diseases and there is a part on the website that you'll be able to look at that as well so you can look up the breeds and find that information uh, on the Bella and Duke website but please there are plenty of places to find that information even go to the breed clubs even go to Crufts one year and actually see how those dogs react in a certain environment how barky they are you know if you want a really quiet dog and you've decided to go for a, a spitz that's super yappy uh, because they, they're really heightened alert dogs. That's not going to be the right choice. And that unfortunately generally is where things go wrong and dogs end up in rescues because people haven't done the background checks before they've gone and for a breed that they thought looked nice. So please do that first and foremost. Lastly, for the vet side of things, the veterinary profession is short of vets and nurses at the moment. So it isn't a done deal that you will just phone a practice and automatically have an appointment and it's it's absolutely fine. You've, they've got plenty of space. You may find some practices at the moment have a closed list, i.e. you will be on a waiting list to go in. So do ring your practice in advance of you getting your puppy or kitten and actually look to when do you plan to to have this puppy or kitten have they got space for you to be able to book in and actually book an appointment for the day or day after you've received the puppy or kitten just for an initial check just so that you make sure that what you thought you were getting you actually are getting at the end of the day Great advice. That's brilliant. You, you mentioned earlier about, um, well, you're more than 25 years in in practice. Um, there's, there's kind of a few strands, I guess, to this to this question, but I'm wondering um, whether the issues that you tend to to see in, in terms of, of people's pets, whether whether that's changed over that 25 years, whether the, you know, there's been kind of trends and, 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 and what's changed there, particularly kind of in terms of what issues you see quite regularly now and and i guess this is probably going back over a lot of the stuff that we've talked about but but just um you know what what people can do to avoid those those issues really interesting uh that you uh, touch on that because yes there have been changes you know in trends uh over that 25 years 30 years uh, just about uh, and you know from how we've seen diet change within our pets you know we went through the 80s of really choosing convenience over necessarily health um it was all i want it now and i want it simply and we started through the 90s to see the consequences of that building and i think what we see now is the level of continued growing obesity and the consequences of that as a disease it's not just a health status it, it truly is a disease we've seen the the impact of routine neutering that's become much more prevalent getting earlier and earlier even puppies and kittens under 12 weeks even being proposed as being neutered and actually the consequences of of that seeing increased level of joint disease increased levels of cruciate rupture you know we were being taught that at university as this is an emerging issue that we're seeing in certain breeds we think it's a breed predisposition this is how to treat it this is you know and 
it's become more and more complex and more and more expensive for the techniques to try and fix anterior cruciate rupture, um, which is very much a footballer's injury in most people's minds, but it's you know very common in dogs. Well, actually, the, the papers that came out in the early 2000s um, into about 2014, the final lot of studies from the US, showed the impact of neutering on that cruciate rupture and also the impact of neutering on joint disease as well as certain tumour types. And certainly our trend for seeing levels of tumour growth, level of um, obesity, level of joint disease, I would say has become really prominent rather than the sort of acute viral issues that we were dealing with with parvovirus through the 80s and into the early 90s. You know, and, and that sort of infectious side was probably the more predominant thing as vets we were concentrating on. Now it's it's very much about the impact of nutrition, the impact of routine things like nutrient on health and what that does to your pet. Brilliant. That's really fascinating actually to to kind of see how um to see how things have have, have changed. I'd I'd be quite happy to um sit here and carry on chatting probably all the way up to Christmas, but uh we have got a we have got to call it a, a day at some point. So um I think that's a good point for us to, to pause. But um it's been really interesting chatting to you. Hopefully this has been really useful for people that have been listening as well. And thank you very much for your for your time today. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of Life Well Loved. Thank you very much for listening. You can find out more about us at bellaandduke.com and don't forget to hit follow so you get all our new episodes every fortnight. Thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye.